Hey there, welcome back to another episode of MVP Business, where we showcase leaders who live through their mission, vision, and passion to drive growth, profits, and loyalty. Today's guest is Faisal Vellani, a strategic growth and business consultant. He is on a mission to help individuals and organizations reach their true potential by accomplishing their goals and most importantly, loving what they do. I'm so excited to have you here with me today. Thank you so much. No, thank you for having me. It's always nice to get in front of a new audience. So thank you for having me on board. Absolutely. So Faisal, tell us a little bit about your history before you started on this current path. How did you get to become a strategic consultant? You know, it's a, it's not a unique story, but it, it is a funny story. So I, I'm the creative sheep of the family. Um, growing up, I wanted to be an actor, really, truly did. I, I used to do stage shows and dance shows, and I, I really enjoyed um, being in front of people. But it's funny because I enjoyed being in front of people where I couldn't see them, when it was dark and I couldn't see out into the audience. But if you put me in front of a crowd, I would freeze up. Right? I, I, had, I had some massive stage fright. But... Um, I tell this to people a lot. If you know anything about immigrant families, my, my dad came here with $20 in his pocket and I have an older brother who's barely a year older than me. And uh, in, an, in an immigrant family, you better be a lawyer, doctor, or engineer. Right? Those are the three fields that you kind of drop into. If you're not, uh, the creative side is kind of shunned down. Right. So I, yeah, I used to do these acting and dances and stage shows behind my parents' back. But eventually when it kind of came out, it was, hey, you need to focus on your education. And uh, I was very smart, but I was a lousy student. I just, I, I couldn't get myself to wake up. I was the wake up at 12 o'clock type of guy. Uh, don't start your work until about two, three o'clock. Like just uh, no motivation in life. Absolutely just lacked motivation because I didn't enjoy what I was doing. Somehow I, I got through college, got a pretty decent job, uh, started off as a personal banker, then became a branch manager, Chase Bank, moved myself up. But internally, something was always missing. Just absolutely dreaded waking up in the morning and going to work. And I finally, I got to a point where I was like, I can't do this anymore. I feel like I'm living a lie. I tell people my internal compass was always trying to pull me one way. And my mm -hmm. body was always going the other way. So there was just so much friction. Um, and then through that process, I kind of sat down. I, I started hearing about why you should start with a purpose, why you should start with, with passion. Simon Sinek, start with the why, really got to me. So I sat down and I wrote down my why, what it is that I really truly want to do in life. And the two areas that made me really happy is one, when I was in front of an audience. I just absolutely loved it. Um, and the second part is when I was helping people. I, I've always been a problem solver by nature. I, I kind of help my friends get over their girlfriend, boyfriend problems and any, any things that kind of came up. So I decided that I wanted to help individuals and, uh, and businesses specifically kind of grow and scale and get over their own issues. But that just kind of came out of a whim. And then I had some friends who were like, Hey, yeah, why don't you come on board? Because we've seen you be able to grow businesses because when I got out of chase, I had to do something. So I had multiple startups and I was able to scale them and grow them and sell them off uh, for profits. And that's how I got into this business. And now my personal why I, I literally stated in one sentence is I want to be legendary by making the world a better place. And I, I believe that if I can help the next individual be the next Steve Jobs or Elon Musk or create the next Apple or Amazon, whatever it is, I fulfill my goals because that's what's going to make the world a better place. That is beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So how did you make that leap from knowing your why to fulfilling it and, and moving forward through it? I, I just, I had to burn the boats. I really, truly did. Like, um, I, I think there's a, especially in, in today's world, I know a lot of people going through this. There's times where life is going to push you to change and that change is reactionary. And then there's times where you can choose to change and that change is voluntary. Right. And I, I wanted to change on my own terms. I didn't want to get to a point where life pushes me into an area where I have to change because I won't be, I won't be enjoying the journey at that point in time. So I basically, after one success, I kind of burned the boats and said, okay, let me go out and see if I could, if I could help some startups and some, uh, some individuals. Lucky for me, I knew a lot of people that wanted to start their own business. So mm -hmm. it's not like I got a lucky break. I, I found people, I spoke to them and I said, Hey, look, I have this very specific model that I've, I've found, 
I believe it works. Do you mind if I do it for you for free to quote a five? And that model essentially is growth in any part of your life is a factor of two things. It's part innovation, part excellence. And to simplify it, innovation is just ideas, right? So when you decide to ride a bike, that's an idea. That's an innovation. You didn't have that before. But the only way you're going to learn to ride that bike is excellent. You get on, you fall, you get on, you fall, you get on, you fall, right? Eventually it becomes muscle memory. I think that's the massive divide is people work like 90% on innovation because we all make New Year's resolution every year. It's like, hey, we've got this grand idea. We're going to do it. But they focus like 10% on excellence because it gets hard. Everything is hard. Right? Nothing in life comes easy. And if it did, everybody would be successful. And you have to flip that formula. It's 20% innovation, 80% excellence. Once you have an idea that you're passionate about, sometimes you just have to have the blind faith to say, doesn't matter how many times I fall, I am getting up and I'm doing it again and again and again and again. And what I found is there's five practices, five habits that help you create that culture of innovation and excellence. And that is simplifying your life, selecting the right people in your life, solving the right issues, systemizing, like creating discipline in your life, which will give you freedom and have the ability to see or visualize your future. If you can do those five things as a habit, you'll be successful in any part of your life. So that, that is how I codified it. And I was lucky that people gave me a break to do that. And it, it really, truly kind of uh, guided me into my path of exponential growth eventually. Did you find that or did you define it on your own through thought and experience? No, de- definitely iterations. It, it wasn't something that I had predefined. Uh, I stumbled a lot. And I, I think that's why I say I was very lucky that people let me do what I did because I stumbled with them. I, I went into their business. I tried something. It didn't work. I tried something else. It didn't work. And then finally one thing hit and I was like, oh, this works. So then I tried it again and the data proved it worked again. Mm. Right? So I, I started making all these iterations and this, this whole five habit model came over the course of like three to five years. It, it wasn't something that's predefined. And one thing that I tell my people all the time, like um, I will, let me show you something real quick. So I have my, my values, my why, my values, my 10 year plan, all kind of written down on, on one piece of paper. Mm-hmm. But one of my values is um, never be a finished product. So oh, right. even this, this five, uh, five habits model, never do I think it's written in stone, right? Tomorrow I might find something that the data proves, hey, this works better than what I'm doing right now. So I, I don't want to be in that mode of I have the magic pill. I have the formula because as the world changes, the magic formula changes, the pill changes. So I, I want to be, I want to be part of the innovation. I don't want to be part of the problem. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I was just talking to someone the other day and they, um, they're uh, using data to go and analyze to, to improve uh, businesses. And they said, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, uh, you have to know that you're not going to hurt the business, that you're going to go in, you're going to analyze it, and you're going to make it better. You can't, yeah. you can't necessarily guarantee that going in, but, um, but some businesses do a better job of knowing that they will do what they can and they have, you know, it's never a proven method when anybody says like, this is just proven. And it's, it's always like, it's been proven it's been successful. Yeah. And, and we, uh, we, we will modify and, and grow and, um, and create success. Yeah. And it, it's so uh, funny now to me that we used to be in a world where if you had the answers, you were successful. We're, we're not in that world anymore. We now live in the world of, can you ask the right questions? Cause mm-hmm. The answers are there. You go to Google, you type in something, anything you want, you have the answers to. You have way too many answers, right? So you, you can't figure out which one the right one is. Are you asking the right questions? And mm-hmm. I, more specifically, are you asking the right questions to yourself? Mm-hmm. And I think that is where the next soft skill uh, age is going to be is you're not going to be able to walk into companies or I'm not going to be able to talk to individuals and say, I have the answer for you. What I need to be able to do is, make sure that I'm asking you the right question so you can answer for yourself. I think that's where growth is going to come. And the world is shifting very, very fast into that phase. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where, like you said, soft skill, that's where, you know, creative thinking, collaboration, uh, all those soft skills are so much more valuable than they ever have been in the past. Yeah. 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 Technical skills are, much more easier to learn 
And I think companies are recognizing that individuals are recognizing that, right? I can go get a PMP certificate within four months now if I wanted to mm-hmm. on my own. And my soft skills will, will overtake anybody else who has that. So focus on your soft skills, focus on relationship, focus on people. If you can connect with people now more than ever, um, and I, I call it um, being authentic, but uh, in a sympathetic way. I, I call it sympathetic authenticity, where you're not afraid to speak your mind and you shouldn't be, but don't, uh, don't be that person who is ignorant, right? Just because you have a difference of opinion doesn't mean that that other person is wrong. You need to be able to explain that because if the messaging is not going through, something's wrong with the way you're saying it. Yes, I think that is a truth for all things in life (laughs) absolutely (laughs) you know in business and networking uh, but even more so in in life and politics and relationships yeah Um, you know we were talking before we got on that we're you know in the midst of the covid era whatever however (laughs) long that is or whatever it means um but one thing that it does mean is that we are all communicating a little bit differently we're spending more time with some people, a lot more time with our spouses and our children, yeah. um, or we've selected certain members of the family to be in our germ bubble. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like and- that, by the way. I'm going to use that. <laughs> that, that. That is a good one. I'm going to use that for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. And then, um, and then we're not spending time with others, or we're selecting yeah. different modes of communication and time, whether it be Zoom or, or phone calls or or you know, Facebook or whatever, but, um, but the communication is different, you know, it's less superficial. Um, and, um, and sometimes that, uh, that rawness, um, takes away from the sympathy portion of what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, I, I also think that people also need to, and I think we do this a lot more than we we've ever done. So that's great. People need to find opportunities in crisis. Right? Every crisis comes with an opportunity. If COVID happened 10 years ago, the world truly would have shut down. It absolutely would have, right? There would have been um, the massive spread of internet wouldn't have been that big. Uh, Facebook obviously wasn't that big. Zoom was nowhere to be found. And just the, the information that you have at your fingertips, right? Wouldn't be there. So this pandemic, like I was telling you, has given me the opportunity to spend time with my seven-year-old daughter, my three-year-old son, but it's also given me the opportunity to go freshen up on skills that I didn't have before without missing a beat. I, I, can, I can go on, again, YouTube, Google, go find LinkedIn courses and catch up on my soft skills. I can get on a podcast and still feel productive. I can continue to grow my network and still be a person of relevance in, in today's time. Right? So there's, I think uh, there's a quote out there that a good crisis is an opportunity to waste you can see this as, as a drawback for you, or you can realize that you live in an age now where even this pandemic brings with it a lot of opportunities. And if you take advantage of it, you're going to come ahead of the pack. I mean, when you get out of this, we will get out of this. You're going to be one of the first ones that companies or individuals, anybody who you want to mesh with, they're going to look to you because you have that positive attitude. You have that glow. Your body language speaks a lot. And so when you walk into a room and people recognize, man, this guy's not been affected, right? With COVID or whatever's going on, he or she is happy with life. That's who people want to talk to. Skills mm-hmm. are, are secondary. Or you've, like you said, you found a way to grow. Um, yeah. You know, like there's, I've seen all sorts of different opportunities that people have taken to either um, improve their skills or uh, dig into the things that they enjoyed personally, like cooking or gardening or you know, yeah. built on things, you know, of, uh, on their home. Yeah. Um, so there's all those opportunities as well that bring that, that personal fulfillment instead of just, you know, like wallowing in. Do you, like you said, do you come out of this as like, oh, this is all yeah. we've been, been, you know, like boarded up homes for right. a year or do you come out going, wow, that was awesome. I learned how to do this and that <laughs> and I'm doing yoga now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> No, my, uh, my, my wife and I both have sayings about what we think the, ha- the, the key to happiness in life is. And mm-hmm. mine is the key to happiness in life is progress. It's not money. It's, it's not having a big house. It's not a mansion. It's just progressing, progressing towards a goal, progressing towards anything. So 
when I am able to accomplish something on a daily basis, weekly basis, quarterly basis, and that's how I track. I track 10 year, three year, one year, quarterly, and on a daily. If I can accomplish my goals and I've defined them, and I'm not going through them blindly. I don't wake up in a day and say, oh, what do I do now? What are the issues that I need to resolve? I wake up and say, okay, what are my opportunities? And if I'm just an inch closer than I was yesterday, I find so much happiness in that. So when people ask me, what is the key to happiness for, for me? It's progress, progress toward anything meaningful. Are you, um, are you a big fan of Tony Robbins? Oh yeah, I love him. I was gonna say, cause there's several different things that I've, I've heard you say, happiness equals progress is one that I hear him say all the time. Yeah. And I, I love the concept of um, two millimeters of change. Yes. Uh, you know, you don't necessarily, some people feel like if they're not making big change all the time, like Tony does talk about massive change because that's right. what he's there to do is to inspire like real big, massive growth. But right. he says, you don't have to just like drop everything and change everything, your whole, you know, everything in your life, just right. redirecting and taking one step forward. Like you said, every day, what is my goal today? How am I going to move forward today? And right. as long as you know, and you're tracking, that's one thing. Um, Bill Small is my business coach. And we talk about this yeah. all the time where he's just like, okay, you know, you're always looking at where you're going, what's next, what's next. And he's like, ah, okay, listen, let's stop for a minute. That was one of your big goals. You achieved it. Let's celebrate, yeah. <laughs> you know, like knowing when you've gotten there and celebrating it instead yeah. of moving past it. Cause you're always looking at no, that's true. I, I'm going to read you one of my other ones. So one of my, uh, I have five core values. One of my other core values is find the next mountain. And mm -hmm. I, I really truly define it as once you get there, celebrate, take the moment to kind of look back at the journey because the destination is overrated. I mean, it's so overrated, right? Like when you get to a certain point in life and you feel like you're going to have this magical moment where Disney fairies are going to come down and sing to you, it, it doesn't happen. Right. So enjoy the journey. Enjoy the boredom. I, I'm a huge basketball fan. I'm a huge Kobe Bryant fan. May he rest in peace. And the one thing he said a lot was success comes from enjoying the boredom. Success comes from being in the gym, taking a thousand shots. Um, I, I heard a friend of mine explain it this way, and I loved it. When you watch a football game, we sensationalize the Hail Marys. We sensationalize these big one in a million chances. But the most successful teams are the ones that are running the ball and yeah. gaining inches. Those are the ones winning championships. We just don't sensationalize them, but they're the ones, the fundamentals that actually get to where you want to go. If you focus on the Hail Marys, you might be a one in a million and good for you if you're that lucky. But statistics show if you really truly want to be successful, if you want the secret pill, the formula, it's there. Enjoy the boredom, work on your process, Continue to grind day in and day out. When you get to a certain point, enjoy it, but don't stop. Go back mm -hmm. and find the next mountain because that's how you'll grow. So all of these guys, Tony Robbins, Bill Belichick, Kobe Bryant, Tom Brady, they all talk about the same thing in different manners. We just have to start listening to them and stop focusing on, man, Elon Musk is the third richest man in the world. He is so lucky. No, he worked his way to get here. You're just seeing his destination Go look at his journey and you'll recognize what he's done so far. Right? Well, I, we talked about resilience a little bit earlier. Um, the, and that I see that in all the, the sports analogies as well. Yeah, the Salmiari gets you two points at the end of the game. That's the person who won the game. Um, yeah. <laughs> but really, it's the, it's the fact that you didn't get tired, that you ran up and down and you kept going, you kept going, you kept going. Or even when you were tired, yeah. you found the strength. Yeah. So we just got to push forward. We have to do this um, for the fans, for whatever it is, um, for your own personal, um, you know, whether it's doing the work ahead of time or being prepared to do the work in the middle of the game. Um, I think that that resilience and like you were saying, you know, fall down a million times, get pushed, get your ball stuffed as you're getting ready to <laughs> go up for a layup, whatever it is. Um, it's that, it's that resilience and being willing to fail right. and not letting that get you down saying, well, geez, that was a good lesson instead. Yeah. I, I love the word that you use failure. And I, this is one thing I wish when I die, whenever that happens and people are standing on my, on my grave, 
the one thing I wish people would say is I changed the outlook of what failure failure was was seen before. We I was taught I was brought up where failure is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. That is such a such a massive life such bullshit, right? Like yeah. failure is not a bad thing. Success is a composition of all failures. So my wife and I started this thing with my daughter. My son's still too young. I'm I'm hoping to do this with him. Where on a nightly basis, we we don't do it all the time. We forget, but we ask her, what did you fail at today? Mm-hmm. Right? Because I want to know you tried something and you sucked at it and you recognized it, but you're going to do it again. Right? And uh, Will Smith says this. He's like, if you and I get on the treadmill together, you might be faster, you might be stronger, you might be a better looking person, you might be more talented than me. But if we get on a treadmill, two things are happening. Either you're getting off first or I'm going to die trying. You're not going <laughs> to outwork me. I, I will be the last person on that treadmill. And that's such a great philosophy. It, it really truly is because that is why who he is. Like he oh, went through a string of failures. Yeah. Yeah. And if you look at his, his journey is very public from, you know, being a teenager and, and, and what he's done, he's accomplished so much. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's also another one that you could, you know, you look at and say like, wow, he's famous and has all these cars and homes and whatever, but yeah. he works his tail off. Yeah. Um, and, and he enjoys life. If you see him, yeah. if you ever see him, he's the rock and Will Smith, two of the most charismatic people I've ever, ever seen on screen. It just, it oozes out of them. I've never seen a bad moment from them, whether they were on top or whether they're, they're rock bottom. I mean, I, I remember The Rock when he was doing movies like The Rundown and like just horrible films, right? And he always had this, I'm going to make it. I will, I will get there. I, I've already made it in my mind. You guys just have to wait till I get there. And I, I love that philosophy. I love that mindset. So tell us about a couple of times that you have um, done what other people would consider a failure. And what, you know, if there was a time where you, you failed and you learned from it, what, what happened? So the biggest one, according to me, would be, so when I left Chase Bank, there was a, there was a moment of doubt that came in my mind. And I partnered up with a, with a really good friend of mine at that point in time to open up a jewelry store. So I, I went in and I put in some money. It was going to be at a mall in Austin, actually, Lakeline Mall, because I know you're from Austin, right? Um, so this was in Lakeline Mall at that point in time. And I decided to open up a jewelry store with him. And there's, if you ever want to uh, realize what type of person you're working with and vice versa, because we all have faults, go into business with them, uh, have some money transactions and you'll, uh, you'll realize what kind of friendship you have. Not that you're right and they're wrong, but you'll just realize how close your bond is. Um, needless to say, within a week, we, we kind of realized this wasn't working. And I backed up. I, I basically said, okay, you keep the money, you run the business because I'd, I'd invested with him. And I'm like, you pay me whenever you're done, but I don't want to do this because again, I recognize my, my compass was going a different way and I didn't want to be that person who didn't want to get up and go to work. So that, according to a lot of people in my life, was a failure because I spent six months building up this business, getting it ready, launched it. Um, owning a business, especially in a mall environment is not easy at all especially a jewelry business where you have to spend so much on inventory. You don't, you don't get a lot of that back for the next two years, but I, I decided to walk away. And a lot of my family and friends thought that it was a bad idea, but over time they realized that that relationship would not have lasted. The other partner that he got basically ran out. He, he couldn't handle it anymore because this guy has a very particular working style. And eventually I, I did end up getting my money back. It's not that he was a bad guy. He ended up paying me out, but it was a moment in my life where whatever I had, I put into this business and I backed out and now I have nothing. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm basically down to ground zero. Wow. But I worked my way out of it and it, it really showed my own resilience to myself because I, I hadn't proven that to myself either. I just, I had blind faith that I'll be able to do it. But there were some tough mornings. There were, there were mornings where I rolled out of bed and I rolled back in. I was like, I, I don't want to get up and see the world. I, mm-hmm. I really, truly don't. But that is probably one of my biggest success stories in life. Was there a time either in getting your consulting business started or, or in your life where you felt just really afraid to take the next step or um, to, to move into the journey and you did it anyway? Uh, yeah, I, I can actually tell you about right now. So three days ago, um, a, a passion project of mine for so long 
has been to open up my own Bollywood dance studio. I, I, I've had so many people telling me to do it for ages and ages and ages. And I'm 38, I'm 39 years old now. So at a certain point, I used to kind of doubt myself. I'm like, do I really want to do this? Is this a long-term play? Finally, I kind of gave in and said, why am I so worried about what's going to happen? Do I really want to get up and do this? Would I enjoy this? And the answer always came back and yeah, I would really enjoy it. So three days ago, I launched my own Bollywood dance studio as a side project. And I was nervous. I was hesitant because I'm a little out of shape. I am a little older. It's not my field anymore. But I have such a massive passion for it where I was like, you know what? Even if it fails, at least I know that I tried it. And again, the day that I pass away, I can look back and say, I took my shot, right? Not that I sat on the sidelines. I got in the game. This is what I really, truly wanted to do. And I love kids. I absolutely adore them. Uh, I don't want any more, but I love just talking to kids in general. Um, and also it, it boosts my, my daughter's confidence, who is my biggest driving force in, in my life is my daughter. I, anything and everything that I do, she's my biggest why in life. So I, I kind of think back and say, even this phrase that I came up with, uh, I want to be legendary. The way I came up with it is there were times where my daughter would want to play with me, but I'd be so busy doing other stuff that I wouldn't do it. And I kind of said, is this making me a legendary dad? And if it's not, I need to, I need to reframe. I need to focus on what's important. And that's why the journey is so important, right? You live for these moments, but you're working on the destination. So you let these moments go. So she's a major driving force in my life. And I decided that if I do this, it'll boost her confidence and it'll show her that her dad's not afraid of failure either. So that, that was a very recent one in my life. That's amazing. Congratulations. That's really exciting. Thank you. I will get in touch with you when I break my hip. Uh, let you know how it goes, but thank you. It, it, it's been an exciting journey so far. So is it a, um, a studio or is it online? How does it? No, it, it's on Zoom. Uh, the plan is that I will get, uh, so I'm very good at video production. I, I enjoy that part of it. I, I can, um, I, I've been doing it now for 10, 15 years where I used to make videos on PowerPoint and be able to cut and paste. And now the technology is so easy that, that anybody can do, right? So my plan is, to get about uh, 100 to 150 kids, teach them for about three months. And at the end of the three months, have them record the dance, send it over to me. And I will put it all together under a, under a production and premiere Facebook Live. And mm-hmm. my goals are that kids who have uh, this area of stage fright, they get to see themselves on stage without actually being on stage. Mm-hmm. They get to see their progress along with their friends. So that it builds camaraderie. Um, my hopes and goals are that their parents and their friends, when they get on, they will, <clears throat> they will live feed how great this is and how my daughter's name is Isa. So how great is us doing or anybody else? So it builds up their confidence. And plus their family around the world gets to see how well these kids are doing. Mm-hmm. So my, my driving force behind this is to build a kid's confidence mm-hmm. because in, again, in today's world and 10 years from now, right? When they, when these kids get into the, the real world, if you can't be on stage, if you can't talk to people, if you can communicate, if you have that fear and that phobia of um, just group speaking, you're going to have a hard time, right? Mm-hmm. More and more people are getting in front, of, uh, in front of each other, YouTube, Facebook, podcasting. So my hopes and goals are that the kids who are internally just shy and have a hard time, they see themselves on stage and it builds this fire inside of them to say, I want to do this more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that, that you know, looking at opportunity in different ways to present or to move into a dream. So a lot of people would say, I can't, I can't open the studio now because people can't meet in a physical studio, but you took that opportunity and said, how could I turn this into even better growth and in an even bigger audience? Yeah. And that, that's that innovation, like you were talking about. And then, then you just focus on, okay, I innovated. Now, how do I make this excellent? Exactly. Um, to go up instead of down. But uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm very cognizant of the fact that it's going to be a bumpy road. I'm going to fall. I'm going to stumble. The first big Facebook premiere is, is going to be clunky. People aren't going to be able to hear. I'm very cognizant of it. And I know that I'm going to look like a fool at the beginning. But that's okay because I eventually need to go through that to get to where I want to go. So if I've just told myself, hey, be okay with failure, you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. So that, that has been my true mentality. And that is one of the things that when I work with one-on-one with people, the first thing I try to instill in them is 
this process that we're about to start this journey, right? Because what I do is I, I literally create this one pager with them. I'm like, when I do this, just realize that this page is innovation. This page is not your excellence. Excellence is you reading this page on a day-to-day basis, living it on a day-to-day basis, and uh, implementing those practices. So one of my practice is being pursuit of excellence, which is just consistency. I'm not consistent every day. I, I, I strive for that. But there are days when I just want to sit down and watch the next Avengers movie that came out. I, I just want to have a lazy day. And sometimes I will give in to that. So mm-hmm. that is the excellent part is understand that you are human and don't hold yourself punishable. Hold yourself accountable. Come back the next day and mm-hmm. say, all right, yesterday is gone. It's out of sight, out of mind. I learned from it. Here's what I'm going to do. And I, that is one of the, if for anybody who's listening, that is my biggest piece of advice that I can give to them is don't hold yourself punishable. There's enough people out there in the world that do that for you already. Don't mm-hmm. be one of them. Hold yourself mm-hmm. accountable. That's what you need to do. Absolutely. Um, I think that can be attributed to absolutely everything that you are battling with or trying to achieve. Um, whether it's eating too many cookies or whatever, <laughs> you know, it's like, you can get onto yourself for like eating a sleeve of cookies and just, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I'm so, I'm so bad. Or, you know, you didn't have whatever, whether it's, you know, cookies or alcohol or drugs or not exercising or whatever it may be. Once you start focusing on punishing yourself, you actually hold yourself back from saying, I'm going to try again tomorrow. Yeah. I'm just going to do it again or next hour, you know, after lunch, I'm going to, I'm going to start it over. Like, that was, I shouldn't have done that, or I should have done that or whatever, but I'm going to start over. Um, And allowing yourself to say, there's a new accountability, instead of beating yourself up or letting anybody else. And same with how you approach your team. Same thing, right? Like you can't hold, you can't hold a different account to them than you do to yourself. Yeah. I mean, Gary, Gary V says, says this all the time, right? Nobody is going to love your business. Nobody's going to love your baby the way you love your child. It's just not going to happen. So don't be that boss who's always trying to find the next you. The next you doesn't exist, right? So again, let your team fail. Let them learn. Let them grow. Be okay with their max potential. Don't push themselves to your max potential because it's not that they don't have it. They don't have it for this business. They're not you, but they are here working for you. And the reason why they're here is because they believe in you. Hopefully you've hired the right way. And let them be themselves. Let them innovate. There's, there's this amazing story I like to tell people about Amazon. So again, everybody sees Amazon. I think now they, they're still the second richest company. I think Apple just hit like $2 trillion or something. So, But everybody sees Amazon. They're like, man, I wish I could have their journey. I wish I would have started an online book business. Amazon wasn't the first one. They, there were so many other companies who did this. But Amazon created a culture where their employees were allowed to fail. And a prime example is this guy named Greg Linden. He's the one who came up with that recommendation engine, where if you go on Amazon and say, uh, I want this, they, they show you, hey, do, do you want all these other things? When he came up with the code and he wanted to implement it, a senior vice president of marketing flat out said, nope, don't want this. It's going to distract customers. I, I don't think it's a good idea. Right? And uh, Greg Linda was just a coder back then. Right? He, he wasn't in a power position, but Amazon had a culture of doesn't matter what happens. If you can put it into test and the data proves that you're right, we'll implement it. If you don't, that's okay. We're not going to punish you unless if for some odd reason you lost the company billions of dollars, which is unreasonable. It's not going to happen. So he went against a senior vice president of marketing. He put it into test, proved that it worked. And just think of it logistically, right? Even if you're the uh, senior vice president and I prove something worked, that doesn't mean anything. I still have to go through the channels to get it implemented, right? Mm -hmm. And you can stop me and say, no, I still don't think it's a good idea because decision-making is emotional. It's not data-driven. So you hold an emotional position. You can say, nope, I don't think it's a good idea. And nothing would happen. Amazon had that culture, even as a small company of, no, we're going to implement it because he proved it, right? We've given him that autonomy. That completely shifted Amazon's business model. And that's what made them one of the biggest companies in the world. So don't look at them now and say, man, they were so lucky. Look at them back then and say, okay, they had the right practices. They had the right habits. They were willing to take chances and fail. That's how they got here. And mm-hmm. I, I, I love that story about Amazon. 
Absolutely. And they have an innovative mindset, but also, like you said, always trying to um, determine what's more effective. And so that's that excellence model. Yeah. Uh, how to get the best, best price, how to get it quickly or more, you know, get the delivery more quickly and, you know, all that implement more value across yeah. the board. So it's, it's looking at excellence and innovation, not just one or the other. Yeah. Uh, one, one other thing I, I would tell people is, and especially like uh, you're in this business as well. If you keep trying and you keep failing, again, don't hold yourself punishable, but recognize that this might not be your field, right? Recognize that you might need some help. So if you have an alcohol dependency and you continue to fail, you might need to go into a rehab center. If mm -hmm. you are trying to motivate your team, but you just can't because you're so focused on growing the business, go hire a coach, right? Mm -hmm. Go bring somebody in, stop focusing on what you're going to lose on the bottom line, start focusing on what you're going to gain. Again, opportunities, not issues. So do try yourself. I, I never advocate for just bring somebody in. Try it yourself. But if you've tried multiple times and you've, you've iterated, right? You, you're not trying the same thing over and over again. Try something, didn't work. Try something, didn't work. Try. If it continues to be a downfall and it's important to you, go hire a coach. Don't, don't shy away from a coach. They can teach you so much more than what you know yourself. You will eventually get there. They'll just shorten the gap for you. They, they don't have any secret knowledge. They just have the right knowledge and they'll shorten that gap for you. Or the outside point of view. Yeah. Um, the other thing on that, I would say, is your example earlier. If you are finding that you are um, not finding joy anymore or you're so, you're so stressed and burned out, and, um, but you feel like if you, if you walk away, you will have failed. Yeah. I see so many small business owners say, I can't close this down, then I'll be a failure. I'm like, how many years have you been in business? You've been yeah. successful for 20 years. How is that a failure? You've, you've you know, employed people. You've helped business, you've, whatever you've done. Yeah. Um, you've tried. You've tried, and emotionally, it's not working for you. So yes, hire a coach, try different things, but it's okay to stop. Oh, it's okay yeah. to walk away and try something different and not look at it as a failure or to say that failed. I'm going to try this other thing. And if you look at it that way, right. or if you say, no, it's not a failure or success. It just needs, I just need to move on. Then you can allow yourself to cut that tie and, and move forward cleanly. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll give you an example. Like my, again, my, my statement is I want to be legendary, right? Legendary means I need to continue doing work. If somebody calls, I need to call them back. If, if there's a seminar, I need to be there. I need to, to hustle and grind. But again, life is iterative. Life changes. 10 years from now, I might not want to be legendary anymore. Yeah. I might just want to retire on a farm somewhere and say, I want to enjoy life with my, my wife and kids and make up for the lost time. So just because you came up with a why doesn't mean that that has to be your why for the rest of your life. That's the whole point. The, uh, what, again, one other thing I'll show you. If you look at this chart, I don't call it the destination. I call it the journey. And the journey is always growing, right? Like it, you, you are always going to want to go to different places. Your journey will change. So define your why, work on your why. But along with that, recognize that your why can change. And that is perfectly fine. You don't ever have to explain your nose to anybody. If you decide to do something or decide not to do something, that's internal. You don't have to explain it to anybody. It, it, it doesn't matter what other people think. If they love you, they'll accept you for who you are. And if they don't love you, it's better that you get rid of them anyways. Mm -hmm. uh, you just have to be internally okay with it. Sometimes the best decisions in life are the things that you decide not to do. Those, those are like, in my, in my instance, it was a jewelry store. I thank my stars every day that that's not a business that I was in because I would have hated it. I mm -hmm. did it for the money. And as soon as I recognized money is not what I really truly wanted, again, money is a factor. Growth is a factor of innovation and excellence. Money is a factor of your passion. So if you forget to focus on money and start focusing on your passion, money will come. And again, look at any successful person in the world, any of them, Jeff Bezos, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, anyway, if you ask them what made them successful, they'll never tell you it's because I put in this many hours or um, I wanted to make the money. They'll tell you, I followed my passion. I love the game. I love this business. And that is what brought them success. So yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I agree compel them to put in that many hours. Yeah. Cause th that is what's going to happen, right? Like we all say life gets tough. So the reason for your why, the reason to define your why is to get you out of bed, to get you up in those mornings. 
if you're wise to make money, money's not a driving force as much as people think it is. Money's not going to get you out of bed. No, it, it's just not going to happen. But if your driving force is your family or your purpose, that will get you out of bed. Um, again, there's, there's another quote and I keep forgetting the names. I wish I, I remembered, but somebody said, give somebody all the money in the world, but you can't buy their life. Give them a shiny metal and they'll lay their life for you, for their country, right? Because they're fighting for a purpose. They're fighting for a cause. They will, they will lay their line on the life. But if somebody walked up to me and said, I will give, I'll make you the richest person in the world, but I need you to die right now. No, absolutely not. Why would I do that? Right? That makes no sense. Right. Yeah, so it's, it's just, it's not a driving force. And I, I think that's the hardest part for people to recognize and realize. No, especially in management, right? Like, especially when you're working with uh, sales teams or marketing teams and you say, okay, you have this quota. What's, you know, have you exceeded your quota this month? And yeah. the first thing you talk about is we, we sold this, this much last week and then we're, our quota is this, you know, what are we, how are we going to exceed that? Mm-hmm. Okay, well then I, you know, I call this many people and it's all about number. Yeah. And it's not about, you know what, if we do this, we're going to change people's lives in this way. And yeah. in the long run, this goes up exponentially because everybody wants to, um, you know, improve other people's lives yeah. and, and thus improve their own. There's an amazing trend along with your purpose and your why companies have started getting into gamification, right? So mm-hmm. rather than giving out numbers and quotas, they're giving out badges, right? Top tier, second tier. And it's not a competition to make you look bad. It is... Uh, just visualizing all the time, right? Hey, where, where's my standing? Where do I stand? Am I there? Can I push a little bit more? Can I get, get up there a little bit more? And that, again, has pro- proven over time. I tell people, you hit this quota, you're going to make a half a million dollars, yet it doesn't happen. Tell people, you hit this quota and you're going to be rated as the fifth best agent and you're going to get recognized in front of your peers. I don't know where people hit that quota. So yeah, along with your why, recognition is something that everybody really truly wants and you should recognize everybody. Southwest has a great model. For them, their employees come first, their customers come second because they realize the executives aren't dealing with the customers. The employees are dealing with the customers. So we will do everything we can to take care of our employees and that will internally, it's factor, will take care of our customers Southwest has been one of the most successful companies in the world doing this for, I think, two or three decades. And I recently found out, I didn't know this, Southwest wasn't the pioneer of, uh, of uh, faster turnaround time. There was apparently a company in California that came out before, had the exact same model, fun culture. They were able to get their planes out a lot faster, cheaper air uh, flights. Southwest literally copied them. They just did it better. And mm-hmm. they did it because they focused a lot on their employees. So along with the fun culture, they really focus on the people that are working for them. So people relationship is number one right now. And it will be for forever. Absolutely. I think people are realizing that, that that's it. Your, your internal team is the basis for all success. You yeah. can't focus on a marketing message or an individual campaign headline and feel yeah. like that's going to change things or like just focus on pounding on that sales team to you know, make it happen. Uh, or the finance person has to, you know, cut costs. Those aren't the things that, that create success. Those are all things that not counting on the salesperson, but <laughs> they're all things you have to think about. You know, you like, yes, quotas, you have to pay your bills, you know, those kinds of things, but how you incentivize and how you communicate and what you're doing it for, um, that all makes the biggest difference in the long run in carrying things forward, because that is what your customers feel and mm-hmm. see beyond yeah. a headline. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's, there's a lot of companies out there who start to realize they need to have their pulse on their customers and their, their employees. Mm-hmm. Um, and companies who were kind of drawn up in this uh, uh, 1970s, 80s model where they have a frontline, secondline, mid-level enterprise and VPs, they start to realize that the communication between them and the frontline workers and then the customers has been so massive that data is lost in translation. Mm-hmm. The more agile companies now have created a circular model where everybody's a leader, right? There, there's obviously a CEO and COO, but everybody gets to work on strategy. And those are the most successful companies. And the way they've done it, again, they couldn't do this 10 years ago, but technology automation has made push button activities so easy that now when you hire people, you don't hire them to say, I need you to fold these shirts. Or, I need you to press this button. I need you to work in the assembly line. 
you hire them to say, hey, I need you to figure out a way to solve this problem for me, right? And I'm giving you full autonomy, I'm giving you training, but that is your purpose. Solve this problem for me, make it better, make it easier for me, which in turn will make it easier for my, uh, my people and my, uh, my customers. So have a pulse on your, on your people, start surveys, start, start doing some, um, some activities with your team, get them involved, let everybody talk, listen to everybody. Um, and it, again, I, I say this because uh, I get a lot of pushback from, from executives saying, we can't listen to everybody. Not everybody's valuable in our team, right? Nobody has, not everybody has value. And my rebuttal to them is, if they're not valuable to your team, why do you have them? Right, like, yeah. why, why, why are you hiring them? You're wasting your resources. You're wasting their lives because they could be valuable somewhere else. It's not that they don't have value. You just don't think they have value. So there's, there's a very specific formula that I have to hire the right people. But if you don't think you have the right people, then make the change. What's holding you from making the change? And then when you have the right people, listen to them. That's why you're paying them six figures sometimes to, to listen to them. So, I mean, do what you're supposed to do and you'll be very successful. Yeah. It, it, there's an unlimited well out there nowadays. You'll be very successful. I also like the idea of um, flipping the concept of the hierarchy of leadership and saying like leadership uh, and management is a service to the yeah. employees and they're there to support and to, to provide opportunity for growth, not necessarily to define and say and, and determine. Does that make yeah. sense? The servant leader model, right? It, it is one of the best ones, yeah. Yeah, it yeah. makes a huge difference in what people feel empowered to do. And if everybody in the company knows what the, the, you know, the base purpose is of the company, right. and then they're empowered to do what's necessary to achieve that purpose, and then they know right. their role, then, then you should go nowhere but up if you've hired the right people. Yeah, I, I think life is very simple. I, I think life and business in general are exactly the same. We've just made it complicated. So if, if you think of yourself as a parent, your role as a parent is not to be a dominator. Your role as a parent is honestly to be a servant, to be of service to your child, to help them recognize their path, not push their path on them, to let them discover, let them fall, let them grow, let them learn, let them lead. Uh, if they want to go on the line that you want them to, great. If they want to go in a separate path, wish them the best of luck and be there for them. Right? That, that is what true parenting is in, in real life. And Obviously, when you need to give them guided decisions, you will, right? Because you, you've got your, your format that you want to follow. You've got your rules that you want to follow. But it is not to live day-to-day, minute-to-minute, hour-to-hour based on what you said. It's to live by these four or five, again, core values that the company has. These are the values that we believe in. These are the values that we want to enrich in you. And then from there, you guide them. Companies are exactly the same. When you're an owner, when you're a leader of a company, you're right. You're not on top. Your job is to help these, these employees service them to say, what can I do for you to make your life easier? If you are doing a job where, which is customer facing and you're on a leadership position, you haven't empowered your people enough, right? Because you're, you're, your employees are your customers. They are really truly your customers if you're a manager and if you're a leader. And I, I hate using the word manager because anybody can manage, but not everybody can lead. So mm -hmm. if you're a leader, your employees are your customers. You focus on them, let them focus on your customers and everything will be fine. But if you continue to solve their customer problems for them, you're disempowering them. And, and honestly, you're putting the burden on yourself. You're going to have to continue to solve that problem over and over. So yeah, the servant leader model is, it. I know people kind of get taken aback saying, I'm not a servant here, but it is really truly the best model out there for, for leadership in general. Absolutely. I completely agree. What routine systems or tools do you find yourself regularly either using or implementing yourself or suggesting to your clients? Um, so my, my products are, are twofold. I work with companies, but I also work with individuals to define their goals. And um, there is a great quote by Gino Wickman. This quote, I remember the guy who wrote Traction. Um, not a quote, but he talks about the story of... Um, the biggest problem in people's lives is, is they don't know what their goals are. So imagine that you have two teams cutting through a jungle. That, that's the goal. And you have one team that is ultra productive, very cohesive, great leadership. They, they're just the best at what they do. And they start cutting through that jungle. 
but nobody's climbing on top of the tree to uh, on a day-to-day, hour-by-hour, or month-by-month basis, visualizing how far did we get and are we on track. So eventually, that team will just start cutting around in circles and they'll get demotivated. They're never going to accomplish their goals and that cohesiveness will go away, even though they were the best at it. And that's because they didn't visualize where they wanted to go. They just started working. And then you have a second team who is not as cohesive. The leadership is okay. They, they're a lot slower. But the one thing that they do do is they visualize. So they get up on top of that tree and they take a look at where they're going. So even though you're cutting faster, you're cutting in circles. They're cutting slower, but they're cutting straight. They're going to accomplish their goal and they will, they'll get momentum because they'll see that they're getting better and better and better and better and they'll get faster. And that's where the skills part comes in, right? Eventually you cut that tree long enough, you'll get good at it. That skill will, will just inherently come. And now because of visualization, you've hit your goals a lot faster. So now you get to the next jungle and so on and so forth. So what I specifically do with people is my first goal is to define what is it that you want in life? And what is your 10 year goal? What is your three-year target? What's your one-year picture? What, do you, what is your quarterly initiative? What does that house look like for you, right? Let's, let's define that. And once we define it every morning, for me, when I wake up, I have my, I have my Tony Robbins style meditation. Um, I have my, my breathing. I do this Wim Hof breathing method. I do some type of workout. If, if it's not a full-fledged workout, then I'll go for a walk or a run. But before I pick up my phone, I read this. And I, I, I recognize this is my long-term goal. So anything that distracts me from this, I don't want to do. And my goals are broken down into career, finance, social, mind, emotions, physical, and spiritual. So my family is a part of this. It, they, they absolutely kind of fall into this bucket for me. Um, and I've prioritized, I'm like career and finance are number one, social is number two, and so on and so forth. So I read that and I have projects based on that. And then besides that, the one activity that I focus on a lot is systemization. I systemize my day. So I know that I, I break my activities down into quad one, quad two, quad three, and quad four, which is that Stephen Covey model. I want to know what my quad one is, my emergencies that I need to knock out for the day. And then for the rest of the day, I'm focusing on quad two, my opportunity area. And I do three to five max. And if I could accomplish three, that's an amazing day. And again, that's when I can sit down peacefully with my wife, watch some TV and not hold myself punishable every second that... God, I should have, I should have called more people. I should have done this. I should, no, I am there. I'm in the moment because my goals are set. And I recognize I wasn't going for that Hail Mary. I was going for an inch and I got that inch. Mm-hmm. That, that is my eventual goal in life. So those two practices, um, again, anybody who's listening, you don't need a coach for this. If you can just define your three to five goals for a day and recognize that that goal is leading you to your 10 year target you'll find so much success in life that everything else will kind of just fall into place. So I, I would highly recommend that. I love that. And yeah. you, um, it looks like you're using the attraction model. Do you have like uh, quarterly rocks and all that kind of stuff? Or are you mostly, you do all, okay. I do, yeah. So like, I'll tell you, one of my biggest goals in life, my, my 10-year goal is Vilani Consulting is a billion dollar consulting firm that helps individuals and businesses around the world accomplish their goals. I started the annual GIE summit where thought leaders, business owners, and philanthropists from all over the world speak on the habits for success. I gain my clients through podcasts, keynotes, seminars, and content that I give around the world, and it's disseminated through an omni-channel approach. That is my career goal. One of my quarterly initiatives was, this is one of my very first ones. I keep this as a memorandum for what I wanted to do. So that 10-year, I'm bypassing three, I'm bypassing one, I'm taking you all the way down to the quarter was set up a podcast area and launch with Mondays and Thursdays as my live days. So here's my podcast area and I do a podcast every Monday and Thursday. So I, I kind of recognize, okay, if I want to do an omni-channel approach, if I want to pass around content, how do I start that? And I, I broke that down into a quarterly initiative. And then even the quarterly initiative, I broke it down into a project. So I figured out I was first going to do it in my garage. So my first one was go get an AC clear the area, get a table. I, I, I literally wrote all these things down. Like these are my projects. So when I wake up in the morning, I'm not paralyzed by decision-making, right? Which is the one thing that almost everybody does. They wake up, they're like, what do I need to do today? Especially and, yeah, now that everything's different and you're working from home, right? Yeah. So, and if you can't find opportunities, your first inclination is go solve issues. And if it's not your issues, you'll go solve somebody else's issues. So if somebody emails you and says, Hey, can you help me with this? even though it's not important to you and it's really not even important for them, they just know you'll do it. 
you'll do it because again, key to happiness, progress. You want to progress at something. You don't want to sit at home, feel like you didn't do anything. So when I do this, I have my entire quarter broken down and I have my day to day that, Hey, these are the steps that I've already defined. What can I do today to accomplish that? And if I, if I reach my quarter beforehand, great. If I reach it on time, great. If I don't accomplish all of it, that's okay. Cause my goal is not hundred percent. My goal is 80%. And then the quarter, the, that initiative will either push into next quarter, or if it's at the very tail end, I'll just turn it into a project and say, I'm almost done with it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to sandbag it. And I, I'm, I'm going to pick a better goal than something I'm going to get done in like three days. So you have a, um, a, on a digital calendar or a physical calendar or uh, a place that you regularly keep track of all this? Um, so I, I'm a very visual person. I do have a digital calendar, but I love having this, this sheet of paper with me. So I have a copy of this in my room, in my podcast area. I have one downstairs. I have one in my office. I have one in my car and I have a picture on my phone. So there's, there's no excuse. If I am not near where I, where I want to be, I literally have this everywhere. And I actually, uh, I'm a very uh, tech savvy person. I, I think technology is not the cure for all, but technology is what's going to bring David and Goliath on the same playing field, right? Technology is what's going to let you be that person who can be the next Elon Musk if you wanted to. So I use this app called uh, Penzu. And I know you can't see it, but it literally lists out my, my why, my core values, my 10-year targets. And then if you scroll down, you could see my quad one, quad two, and then I have my affirmations. Actually, here you go. And I have my affirmations towards the bottom. So I am strong. I'm powerful. I'm motivated. I'm this, I'm that. Like, I really truly do believe in that in a day-to-day practice. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll be honest with you. I didn't do that this morning. Last night, I was up until about 4.30 creating assets for, for this digital da- or this dance studio. So when I woke up today, I woke up at about nine o'clock. I got about five hours of sleep. My kids were already up. They had their Zoom call. I, I needed to get ready for this. So I haven't done this yet. But in my mind, again, I'm not holding myself punishable. I'm holding myself accountable to say, before the day ends, even if my goals are done, I still need to write this down because mm-hmm. that is a practice that I don't want to let go of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and that, that's how I track everything. That's fantastic. I love yeah. it. Love it. I, I have to ask you, I know this is an interview, but what do you do? Because I love to... I love to hear other practices because like I said, I always want to grow. So what is it that you do that kind of gives you traction throughout the day? Well, I do my best to start every day with uh, a meditation, a guided meditation. Okay. Um, I bounce around what that is. Sometimes it's a, a YouTube video. Sometimes it's Deepak or whatever it might be, yeah. but sort of like uh, effort to still the mind and, um, and become clear and yeah. mindful. Um, and then I water my plants and it's, so it's a part of like saying, you know, service to self is, is more important than jumping on the computer. Um, and then of course there's the getting the kids ready and getting them started and whatever. And then I go and on, on my backdrop, my screen on my computer is my, um, my purpose, my core values and my why. So the overall purpose is like a longer form statement. And okay. then the, the values and um, to help humans thrive is the real true what, like getting it down to the nitty gritty. Awesome. Okay. So that's the first thing I do is read through all that. And then I go through and I look at my, um, I'm still a very like pen and paper person. I, I do yeah. like technology, but right. I like the, um, the tactile feel huh. of having either um, clients and business written down and yeah. what are the key things I need to do for each of them. And sure. so I go through and say, what, kind of like you with your, your, your core buckets, um, what is absolutely essential to achieve today? Mm-hmm. And this was super helpful when the kids like immediately started home. <laughs> well, <it was> like, <laughs> what can I not do today? Like what, yeah. what can I, what has to be done and what can I forgive myself for not getting done? So yeah. I go through and I put them in that order. What's essential? What would be awesome to achieve today? And then um, what are the other things that would be like, okay, if I really, if I'm super motivated and on task, <laughs> it's done, then, right. then that's it. So, so then I, I try to go through in that order. I'm also, in addition to running the business, I'm account manager. So I'm the face-to-face with clients. So okay. um, I try to get those essential things done 
and mm -hmm. then look at my email and answer okay. their questions and move projects forward so yeah. that I'm not getting lost in that space because that can that can take up the entire day. I I, I think emails is is uh is the biggest enemy to progress. It, it really truly is because that ding sound, that that inbox, right? Everybody's just waiting to answer an email because it makes them feel so relevant. And one of the practices that I implement with my clients is give me three times out of the day that you're going to check your email for 10 minutes max, and then mm -hmm. you're done. Don't do it anymore, right? Don't, don't be that person who is doing work, an email came in, oh, let me stop the work, let me focus on this. Multitasking is a facade. It doesn't exist. It, right. it, it, it is the, I, and I hate it when I read it on job descriptions, must be able to multitask. People can't multitask. It's been proven for years. So I, I think that lie has been sold to us for so long. Um, that when my daughter comes in and she is watching TV and eating her food and coloring at the same time, like pick one activity, focus mm -hmm. on that. And if that's TV, that's fine. I, I'm, I'm going to give you 30 minutes, go watch your TV, but don't be that kid who tries to do everything. When you chase two rabbits, you don't catch any of them. So pick one, go after that one. Yeah. You end up not being able to think clearly and, and not give anything, any full uh, attention. You may be able to bounce and say, you know, and then you feel like, yeah, I'm doing all the things, yeah. but you're really, you're just kind of surface level of yeah. feeling like you're accomplished, but you're not actually accomplishing anything. I think for me, it's hard because so much of the moving the project forward relies on me seeing, processing, and handing it off to somebody else or, you know, making notes or whatever. There's a lot of email and online processing that is like part of the job, you know, that is the job of the processing the email. Right. So it gets, it's, but the, yeah, assigning time. And for me, it can't be 10 minutes because of what it is, but you have sure. to know like, based on your job description, how much is, can be allocated. And it, it can be different per day. You know, like right. if you have big projects, you can say, okay, well, I'm only going to spend 20 minutes on email today because I have this, you know, report or whatever, this other big thing that I have to accomplish um, right. to, to meet those goals. Yeah. Right. And I do, I have similar, um, uh, the, you know, three-year tenure, three or five-year tenure, uh, right. you know, through traction that have defined, but I love the idea of having the whole thing that you go through every day yeah. to, um, to remind yourself of not just what you need to accomplish today, but what, but why, what's your overall, like I have my, you know, to help humans thrive, but mm -hmm. what is that? What does that look like? And the, yeah. the Tony Robbins thing, do you do the, the priming? I do do the priming. So I yeah. will, I will first, so I start with breathing. I said it the, the opposite. I start with the breathing exercise. I do the Wim Hof breathing method. Um, then I, I really truly focus on what it is that I'm grateful for today. Um, and, and it's usually the same. It's always my wife, my kids, my, my little world that I have created. Uh, I'm very, very, very happy about that. But due to COVID, there's been so many things that I'm grateful for, right? Safety, health, wealth, a job, a, a position, being able to help people. Like, there's always something good that comes to my mind that says, I, I'm just, I'm grateful. I'm sad for the world in general. This year, as much as I've spoken about opportunities, we've lost so many good people, right? We just lost Chadwick Boseman, lost Kobe Bryant. We, we just, we've lost so many good people that overall I am sad for the world, but mm -hmm. I'm just truly grateful that I can, I've enjoyed their lives. I've enjoyed their work. And mm -hmm. I was, I was one of the ones that could tell my kids, I saw this, I was there. I was there when Kobe scored 60 points in his last game. I, I was watching it live and I remember what I was doing. Like, I'm just grateful for the memories that they've left behind. So there's always something I could find in life. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think um, it is very sad to lose anyone. And then I think a lot of, like you were saying, there's a lot to focus on and what's what you're not able to do right now, you know, whether it's going to a restaurant or, you know, whatever it may be that yeah. you were used to doing before. Um, but being able to say, I'm so happy that I know now how much I love that yeah. or loved and, and will have an opportunity to do again. Mm -hmm. um, and same thing with people. I, um, I lost my parents a couple of years ago. And one of the things that I realized that I was able to do is yes, mourn them, but also um, practice non-attachment of, yeah. I never had them. They were never mine. Yeah. And I'm so lucky to have learned the lessons they had to teach me, 
right. and to you know to have those experiences um, and to be able to say I that's that's something that I experienced mm-hmm. but I never had it it's not it's not mine to own and yeah. when you when you think about people or experiences or places you know the, like if your home burns down you can be sad about that but it was right. a physical space that you can recreate somewhere else yeah. Yeah. and you can, you can appreciate it and move on and be grateful for it and then move on yeah, I, I think the only thing that you really truly ever own in your life is, is your knowledge, right? That, mm-hmm. that is the only thing that you really truly own. And as long as you have that, as long as you continue to work on that, there's, there's never a time that you won't be able to rebuild what you've lost. Right? And I, I say this a lot, when I, when I pass away, I want people to celebrate my life. I, I know there's going to be crying, which thank you so much for, for feeling that way. But I don't want you to remember me for my last days because those are probably my worst days. I want you to remember me for my legendary days, the days that yeah. I did a podcast, the day that I, I caught my daughter jumping off of a counter, even though she's seven years old and I still had the ability to do that. Just those are the days I want you to remember me for. Yeah. Those are the, the best days of my life. And again, it, it's never going to be the days that I won an award or I gave a speech. I want to be remembered for the small things. I got up at six in the morning because I had to take my daughter to a play. I went and played basketball with my son when it was raining just because he wanted to play. Like those are the things I want people to remember me for. That is going to be a great life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's a phenomenal place to, to end. I don't think we should go anywhere else from there. Great. I could keep talking for hours and hours, but I won't. <laughs> yeah, no, I, you know, I, I, I'm so sad when podcasts end because they, they usually, whenever I do this, is always with somebody that I could connect with really well. Mm-hmm. And again, because of COVID, I don't get to talk to a lot of people for this long. So I, yeah, I can go on for another hour, but no, you've got things to do. I need to get to clients anyways, but no, this was, <laughs> it's been super fun and I can't wait to do it again. Absolutely can't. Absolutely. That's right. So I'm going to be on your podcast in a little while and uh, we'll see, we'll see what new stories we have to tell. Yeah, I, I think I have a lot of these these same questions coming your way because I, I do want to know a lot of your practices. I want to know more about your why, what, what you do. I, I'm very, very interested. So I, I think we're going to have a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for spending so much of your time and sharing your knowledge. I'm excited to know you. I'm so excited to know you now. Absolutely. Well, I, I'm always on LinkedIn. You can always find me. I'm, I'm usually very responsive. Um, I might post like a dancing video recently, so I'll, I'll show that over to you and do critique me. Let, let me know how, how it turns out. But no, I, I'm excited to, to meet you in person whenever the world opens up. I have family in Austin and I, I come there a lot. So we'll definitely catch up with you. Absolutely. Thank yeah. you so much. No worries, Steph. Take care. So what did you think of MVP Business? If you liked it, please subscribe and tell all your friends. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. If you didn't like it, don't just leave. Let me know what I can do to improve, who you'd like to hear from, and what you'd like to learn. The mission of MVP Business is to share the strengths and struggles of leaders who have successfully grown their businesses while staying true to their mission and vision so that other entrepreneurs can follow, knowing that the path isn't easy, but the journey's worth it. If you believe in this mission, please help by living it and sharing it. In the meantime, enjoy the day and live with passion.